Welcome to The Talk at Revolution, where each week we explore what it looks like to find Jesus and live like Him in a practical way. At Revolution Community Church, we know that we are better together. Each week, we look to celebrate Jesus, connect with others, and contribute to the church, community, and beyond. If you'd like to connect with Revolution or take a next step, please visit us at revolutioncc.org or at our Logansport, Indiana campus located at 3930 East Market Street. And now, we hope you are encouraged and challenged by this talk. How are we doing? You guys ready for this second week? Yeah. Well, let's uh, let's start with just a prayer. Uh, we're in this 21 days of prayer. I think this is day 13, so let's just uh, open it like that. God, thank you so much for this opportunity uh, to gather, as, as Tracy said, and um, to be on this journey together as a church of fasting, of sacrificing, and praying, and seeking you for direction, for guidance, for freedom, for what, you know all these different things individually we're seeking you for, but also for what we're praying about for a church as, we, as we've entered a new decade, a new 10-year season for revolution. Just guide decisions, guide uh, every single step we take moving ahead, uh, bring your spirit, momentum, and just continue this revival that we're in within revolution, God. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Man, that was awesome. Can we just give it up for God this morning? This has been amazing. Uh, so last week as we got started, I asked for feedback from you on villains that you think of. You know, when you hear that word, what are some villains? And uh, several of you online commented, put some villains in the comments and stuff. And special welcome to those watching online in our second service. This is our, our main broadcast service. So glad you're tuning in. But uh, so what I did this week, I asked our staff, like, who do you think of when you think of a villain? And, and several, like, each of them gave a few options. But I, I kind of chose one that they said. So here's what our staff said as the villains they think of. Uh, Kim, our administrative director, if you haven't met Kim, she's awesome. And she said the Joker, specifically the, the Dark Knight Joker, Heath Ledger, as a bad dude. Why so serious? You know, that line. He was a good joker. That's a villain right there. Let's, uh, let's look at this next one. Um, of course, Nate. You knew who Nate was going to go with. If you know Nate at all, Star Wars fanatic. Darth Vader is, I mean, he's a great villain, right? Vader has got the mask, the creepy breathing, the deep voice, the choke you with the force thing. That, that is a villain right there. Uh, Brad, our next-gen pastor, he said Hannibal Lecter. So I've been watching my back a little bit more with, when Brad's around. <laughs> Hello, Clarice. I just hear that in the, the halls of revolution. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Matt, our Connection Ministries pastor, uh, he said a, a, a newer villain in the Star Wars you know, movie trilogies, uh, Kylo Ren. And if you've seen the biggest movie of all time, The Force Awakens, he was a villain, and he has the coolest lightsaber. So I agree. And then I went with, and don't laugh until I explain why, I went with Biff Tannen. <laughs> I did not choose this picture, okay? The tech team chose 
this picture. But Biff Tannen, now here's, here's why. I, I was a really small, scrawny kid. And actually, I don't think I hit puberty till like freshman year. So I got picked on so much freshman year. And I think freshman year was also the year my parents finally let me watch PG movies for the first time, finally. So I watched the Back to the Future movies, and I just connected so much with George McFly in the first movie, Biff Tannen. Every time he said, McFly, I just wanted to... And then at the if you've seen the scene, and we can't show it because first service got taken offline when we showed the clip, so we can't show the clip, but that, like, he's got the arm behind the back and the open fist punch to the face, and Biff... Again, uh, it was, it, watch it later. It's incredible. We might post it later. But uh, we're, we're looking at a story today that's kind of similar to, you know, scrawny teenager beats up the big bad villain. And uh, again, Julie kind of hinted at where we're going. So 1 Samuel chapter 17, if you want to turn there, you can. It's, it's going to be on the screens. And last week we looked at a guy named Abimelech and probably the biggest unknown villain in the Bible. And if you missed last week, I would encourage you to go back and catch up because Abimelech's story is just crazy evil and we learned a lot from that story about what not to do from somebody that got it wrong. Uh, today, this story, it's about the biggest known villain in the Bible, I think. So let's just get started. It's 1 Samuel chapter 17. We're going to start right at the beginning. It says, The Philistines now mustered their army for battle and camped between Soko in Judah and Ezekiah at Aphestamim. You with me so far? So, I'm just uh, so Saul countered by gathering his Israelite troops near the valley of Elah. So the Philistines and the Israelites faced each other on opposite hills with the valley between them. And here's where we meet the villain and, and we get a very detailed description of this week's villain. Then Goliath, a Philistine champion from Gath, came out of the Philistine ranks to face the forces of Israel. He was over nine feet tall. How tall was he? Over nine feet. Yeah, and if, if that wasn't intimidating enough, it, it continues to describe him. He wore a bronze helmet, and his bronze coat of mail, like the upper armor, weighed 125 pounds. He also wore bronze leg armor, and he carried a bronze javelin on his shoulder. The shaft of his spear was as heavy and thick as a weaver's beam, tipped with an iron spearhead that weighed 15 pounds. His armor bearer walked ahead of him carrying a shield. That's the worst job in the army right there, by the way. How big was that shield? How big was the guy carrying that? So Goliath was one bad dude. For whatever reason, as I'm reading the story this week, I thought about some of the members of our security team and usher team at Revolution when I thought of Goliath. We have some, we have some big boys that serve on the security and usher team at Revolution. The way you know you have a great church is if there's guys serving that you don't want to mess with late at night in the alley, okay? So that's how you know. But we got some, anyway, it, but it says Goliath was a champion. That meant he, he fought many times before and won. He was over nine feet tall. Now, maybe if you're new to faith or you, you question the Bible and stuff, and you hear that detail over nine feet, you're like, I don't know if I can buy that because I've never seen anybody over nine feet tall in my experience. Well, actually, I looked up the tallest man record from Guinness World Records, and his name is Robert Wadlow. Robert is the tallest man in history of which there is irrefutable evidence because there wasn't iPhones back in 1 Samuel 17. So we don't have any pictures or video footage of Goliath. That's why he's not in the record books. But uh, Robert Wadlow, let's keep that picture up there. Uh, when last measured on June 27th, 1940, he was 8 feet 11 inches tall. 
That's pretty close to nine feet, if my calculations are correct. Pretty interesting stuff about Robert as well. He was born just an average size baby, eight pounds, but he quickly grew, reaching five foot five inches tall by age five. And some of the parents are like, these kids just keep growing out of everything I buy. The the dude's in men's clothing by age five, okay? So I'm assuming Goliath had a similar story. He's, He's probably always been huge. He's probably always been the big boy on the block. And because of that, Goliath is a bully. And, and by the way, if you're a kid here today or a high school teenager, what, what, and, and maybe you've struggled with bullies before, we're going to see a story where the, the scrawny kid goes up against the bully. Now, practically speaking, we don't want to do exactly what David does in the story, but there are some things we can learn, okay? So, Goliath's a bully, and he just starts using his bully tactics on Israel. And, and just notice the underlying words as we kind of go through this. And if you want, count the underlying words as well. It says... Uh, Goliath stood and shouted a taunt across to the Israelites. Why are you all coming out to fight, he called. I am the Philistine champion, but you are only the servants of Saul. Choose one man to come down here and fight me. If he kills me, we'll be your slaves. But if I kill him, you will be our slaves. I defy the armies of Israel today. Send me a man who will fight me. And when Saul and the Israelites heard this, they were terrified and deeply shaken. And and we're going to read it in just a minute. There's actually a second rant, very similar to this, that, that Goliath speaks in a moment. And here's where the tally ends up, okay? Goliath mentions himself ten times and his gods one time. He says, I, me, I'll, mine, ten times. And he mentions his gods one time. He mentions how powerful he is and what he's going to do. Now he's the man ten times. And he mentions his gods one time. In thinking about what this guy got wrong, so hopefully we can get it right, Goliath got one giant thing wrong. No pun intended. (laughs) One giant thing wrong. And here's what it was. Goliath's battle plan was full of pride. It's about what I've done and what I'm going to do and how big I am. And you better be afraid because I'm the man. See, pride revolves around what I can do without God. I'm going to say that again. Pride is about what I can do without God. Like, I can resist this temptation. I can do this. I can fix my marriage. I, I can find a better job. I can dig myself out of this hole of addiction. I can do this. What's the the middle letter of the word pride? What is the center of the word? I, right? It's it's the word that Goliath knew very well. That's what pride's about. It's about I. That's the battle plan. I got this. I'm the man. I can handle this. Now, in verse 12, we see the antithesis, the opposite of Goliath in every way. Here's where the hero shows up. Now, David was the son of a man named Jesse, and he passed right from Bethlehem in the land of Judah. Jesse was an old man at that time, and he had eight sons. We talked about a guy that had 70 sons last week, so Jesse not quite up to Gideon's uh, level there. But uh, verse 13, Jesse's three oldest sons, Eliab, Abinabababab, and Shemiah, had, al- I don't, had already joined Saul's army to fight the Philistines. David was the youngest son. So the description we get of David is he's the youngest son of an old man from nowhere. Down in verse 16, we get a little bit more. It says, For 40 days, every morning and evening, the Philistine champion Goliath strutted in the front of the Israelite army. And one day, Jesse said to David, the dad, Take this basket of roasted grain and these ten loaves of bread and carry them quickly to your brothers and give these ten cuts of cheese to their captain. 
So the description we get of the villain, of Goliath, is uh, size and, and strength and muscle and mass and, and height and all this stuff and how he's the man. The, the description we get of David is that he's a glorified pizza delivery boy, right? I mean, he shows up in a story working for Grubhub. That's David. The, the, the son of an old man from nowhere. That's about all we know about this teenager, this scrawny kid named David. And skipping a little bit of the story that you can check out later. But there's something in David that gives him an irrational boldness. There's something in David that when everyone else is biting their nails and shaking in their boots, David says this. Don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul. I'll go fight him. That's not a statement you make based on rationality, right? As you weigh out who Goliath is and who David is, like you weigh out the pros and cons, like, yeah, I'll go fight him. This is something, like this is a courage that is grounded in something outside of yourself, right? And at first, King Saul's like, dude, I cannot let you, like your dad sent you here to deliver the pizza. I can't send you back in a casket, right? I cannot let you go out and fight Goliath. He's going to kill you. But after David argues a little bit, finally, the king, Saul, he says, all right, go ahead, he said, and may the Lord be with you. I love that. It's like, let's pray for David real quick, guys. God, when David meets you later today, uh, walks through those pearly gates, would you please have mercy on him? I mean, he, there's no way Saul thinks David's winning this battle. And here's where it gets really good. Verse 41, it says, Goliath walked out toward David with his shield bearer ahead of him, sneering in contempt at this ruddy-faced boy. Am I a dog? He roared at David, there it is. Did you come at me with a stick? And he cursed David by the names of his gods. Come over here and I'll give your flesh to the birds and wild animals, Goliath yelled. David replied to the Philistine. And notice how different this is than Goliath. You come to me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defiled. Today the Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you and cut off your head. And I get goosebumps every time I read that verse. I love it. It's like Bible UFC, right? I, I, I've, so one of the things I got into a little bit more this year because spent a little bit more time at home is, is UFC fighting. Anybody else watch some MMA, UFC stuff? Anybody in the room? Okay, a few of us. There's a big fight last night. Some of you might have seen, but two undefeateds. Anyway, but uh, one of the things I've noticed is I've been watching some more UFC is there, there's, there's guys that, that fight and they don't say much. They just let their fighting speak for them. And then there's other fighters that they are like professional smack talkers. And, and some of them back it up too, but they just have that skill of talking smack. Both of our characters in the, snow, in the story are great at talking smack. But David's looks quite a bit different. There's just a different confidence that, that David is grounded in. There's a different ratio in the pronouns that David's using. And I'll, I'll explain it more in a second. But let me, let me finish the smack talk first. So David continues, your mama's so dumb. I'm kidding, that's not what he says. He, verse 46, he keeps going. And then I will give the dead bodies, this is David to Goliath, to, of your men to the birds and wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle, and he will give you to us. See, David mentions his God seven times and himself three times. David's battle plan is built on humility. 
And let's think about the spelling of the word humility, because we talked about pride, right? The center of pride is what? I, the letter I. It's all about what I can do without God. Let's think about humility. The you comes before the I. The you comes before the I. See, real humility isn't thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. I'm going to say it again. Real humility isn't thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. Or I could say second. The you comes before the I. Humility is not self-pity. It's not low self-worth. It's not I can't do it. It's you comes before I. It's if you don't show up, then I can't do it. It's the battle is yours, I'll do my part. It's your strength working through me to accomplish this defeat. If we approach our giants with a me first or with a God first, me second posture, we're going to see that victory. When we put God first, us second, the victory is coming. And we'll talk more about that in a moment. Let, let's look at the end of this story. So David goes and picks out five smooth, smooth stones, and, he, and then a standoff happens in verse 48. As Goliath moved closer to attack, David quickly ran out to meet him. Reaching into his shepherd's bag and taking out a stone, he hurled it with his sling and hit the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank in, and Goliath stumbled and fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with only a sling and a stone, for he had no sword. And then David ran over and pulled Goliath's sword from its sheath, and David used it to kill him and cut off his head. And we have two stories in this series with two head injuries, and the elementary boys are like, these stories are incredible, right? Another epic ending. So in, in our final few minutes, here, here's what I want us to think about. What is your Goliath? What is your Goliath? What is that thing that just keeps, keeps getting in your way? It's mocking you. It's tempting you. It's coming against you. It keeps tripping you up. And maybe it's a situation. Maybe it's just something you're going through. Maybe it's a relationship thing. Uh, maybe it's a health thing. Maybe it's something with some coworkers. Maybe it's a financial thing. It's a situation you're in. That's the Goliath that's in front of you. Or maybe it's a sin. It's a sin that keeps tripping you up. It's that, the, the Bible talks about a besetting sin. It's like something that shows up over and over and it, it becomes deeply rooted in our life and it, it just keeps getting in front of us and stopping our forward progress in our faith. Sexual things, substance things, gossip, lies, porn, gluttony, worry, the list goes on and on. What, what is your Goliath? What is that thing, that one thing? And some of you are like, how do I pick one? But, but I think for all of us, there's probably, even in this moment, and maybe it's just happened this week or this month, there's that thing, that big thing in front of us, blocking us from moving forward. And what I want to do is I want to end with just a really simple, quick battle plan for fighting your Goliath. Five, I'm going to give us five stones or five strategies for killing the Goliath villain in your life. And I'm going to ask for my son, Jaken, to come up and help me with this part. So would you welcome Jaken to the stage? So Jaken has the vintage uh, COVID-19 mask slingshot, and uh, he has five stones that are actually, you show that stone so nobody gets scared. This is a, like a, a squishy baseball. We're going to throw these stones out, so you better be ready. If you're, if you're asleep, wake up. You've got to be ready for these stones. So I'm going to give a stone, and then you're going to throw it out. You ready for this? So, and we already talked about this first thing. Here's the first part of the battle plan. You have to build the battle plan around humility. That's the, the number one stone. That, like, this is the stone that hit Goliath right in the forehead. 
If, if we don't go into the battle thinking, God first, me second, we've lost to start with. That's the thing Goliath got wrong that we need to get right. None of these things on their own that we're going to talk about, these other four stones, will do much without saying it's you before I. Okay? The battle plan must be built around humility. So you want to throw that first stone out? Be ready. Be ready. Oh, third row. Got it, Debbie? It's under the seat now. Okay. Uh, here's the second thing. Here's the second part of the battle plan. I, I, you you got to get that, stretch the arm out a little bit. I want to see it back here in a second. Focus our thoughts on the cross. I would encourage you to read these verses later. And here, here's what I'm saying by that. Like there's, there's strength and energy. And Tracy talked about this a minute ago. When we think about the sacrifice Jesus made for us, there's strength that comes from that. Hebrews talks about like to lay aside the things that are tripping us up, the, the sin that easily entangles us, and look ahead to Jesus, the one that gave it all for us. Think about the cross. Th think about it like this. When I focus on what Shauna has done for me, my wife, and the sacrifice sacrifices that she's made for me and how my laundry just magically shows up in a laundry basket a couple days a week so I can put it in my dresser and, and, and on and on. I could just keep talking about different things that she sacrifices. It's easier for me to fight through my battle with laziness and sitting in the recliner watching baseball all night when I think about the sacrifice that she makes for me. Like it's easier for me to say no to the temptation of lust when I focus on the nearly 18 years of sacrificial love she's given me. Make sense? Like, when we focus our thoughts on the sacrifice, on the cross, the beyond comprehension sacrifice Jesus made for us, there's strength that comes from thinking on that love. And, and there's ways that I do this. Like, I'll listen to a song about the cross. I went for a walk this week and, and watched a video that focused my attention back on the sacrifice of Jesus. It helps us fight. It gives us that energy to fight. So, you ready? Throw that second stone. I'll, back here. Be ready. You better be I, Brad, did you catch it? He missed it. All right, that's okay. Here's number three, the third stone, the part of our battle plan. Confess your Goliath to someone that will fight with you. Whether it's a situation or a sin, it's way better when someone is fighting with us together, right? What's this wall right here say? Better together, yes. Few of us can see it. There's not much light over there. Better together. And never is this more true than when we're facing our own Goliath whether it's a sin or a situation. And when it comes to sin, we need to understand the consequences of concealment far outweigh the consequences of confession. Like, sin is not like a fine wine. It doesn't get better with age as, as you continue. Like, it gets worse. Sin is like a mushroom. It grows in the dark. It gets bigger in the dark. We need to confess it to someone that will fight with us. Confess that Goliath to someone that will fight with you. Ready? Throw it out. Here we go. Be ready. Oh, that take. Oh, get that, Owen. You got it. Here's number four. Here's the fourth part of the battle plan. Change your environment. I, I would encourage you, read that verse later. Proverbs 13, 20. It might be the most important statement in the Bible. Especially if you're a kid or a teenager. Man, that... Like, in order to fight that Goliath and take it down, you might have to change friendships. You might have to change where you go. You might have to change some of the things you do, some of the habits in life. Your environment might have to change in order to take down that Goliath. And then number five. Oh, wait, we got to throw the, uh, over here. We ready? Be ready. Oh, oh, watch out, Ryan. Okay. <laughs> number five, pray every time Goliath shows up. I right, go ahead and throw that last ball out. Oh, it's, it might be coming back, B. It's under your seat. 
So this last one here, number five, this is more than just a stone. So hold that up. This is a slingshot. This is the weapon right here. This guy right here, you want the slingshot? He's getting this slingshot afterwards. You find him. So thanks, buddy. Let's give it up for David again, for Jake, and thank you. You guys connect. So prayer is the weapon, right? Every time Goliath shows up, we're praying about it. We're fighting through prayer. I mean, we've been talking about prayer so much. And Nate's going to lead us in a prayer in just a moment that I, I believe is going to be a moment of strength and encouragement for all of us that are facing a Goliath right now. But we're going we're gonna to end with a song. Katie's getting ready to sing a song that is written in a way where God is speaking to us. And maybe you're here and, and you haven't had that initial moment of humility. Where you've, where you've literally said, God, I can't do life on my own anymore. I surrender my life to you. I need you. You before I right now. Or, or maybe, maybe like you're here and you just, you need encouragement that comes from a message that God is going to speak directly to you through these lyrics. There's a section of this song that says these words. Allow me to introduce myself again. I was with you every place you've ever been. I'm the one that held you when you couldn't stand. If you're wondering who can heal your brokenness, I can. So we're going to close with this song, and then Nate's going to lead us in a prayer. And let me pray for us before we dive into this. Jesus, I'm so grateful that there has never been a person that walked this earth that didn't matter to you. There's never been a person that you've overlooked or didn't see. Every human being is the passionate object of your love. And I pray that today someone would come to realize that I'm talking about them. In Jesus' name, amen.